Everything's inspired by the teachings of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who's the founder acharya of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Om Aganati Marandasyanganangana Sarakya Chaksurun Miritam Yanatajmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manovistam Savitam Yanabhutare Swayam Rupakaramayam Darati Swapadantikam I'd like to talk today about wearing your blessings well. In the Bhagavad Gita, practically the last verse in the last chapter, Krishna says to Arjuna, Yatra Yogeshvara Parta Yatra Dhanudara Yatra Striyabhijiva Wherever there's someone who keeps God first place by chanting his holy names, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, there will be Vijayashtir, Vijayapatam, victory, opulence, morality, extraordinary power. That is my opinion. And what does all that translate to mean? Is that if you keep him first place, practice devotion, then the Lord will fight your battles. You're familiar with the Mahabharata epic, the arch villain, the conspirator Duryodhan, the cousin brother of the righteous Pandavas. He wanted the kingdom based in Hastinapur since he was a little child. He broke every code of morality and ethics. He tried murder, he tried arson, he tried kidnapping, he tried humiliating the wife of the Pandavas. He sent them into exile for 13 years by engineering a crooked game of dice. You would have thought Duryodhana deserved the kingdom. After all, nobody wanted it as much as him. Not even the legitimate heirs, the Pandavas, were willing to go to the extent that Duryodhana was in order to appropriate the kingdom. But in the end, it took some time. The mills of God grind slowly that they grind exceeding small. Though with patience he stands waiting, with exactness grinds he all. So after 13 years of being in exile, there was a great Kurukshetra war in which the Pandavas faced the superior forces of Duryodhana, but with Krishna as Arjuna's chariot driver, the end result of the 18 days war was that Duryodhana lay with his hip broken in the dust, Vultures overhead and jackals surrounding him, having lost everything, the kingdom, his throne, his influence, his brothers, didn't seem fair. But here's our message. Favor is not fair. Favor is not fair. Who I decide to favor, it may not be who deserves it. It may not be who worked hardest for it. It may not be who earned it. It's up to me who I favor. I'll give you a hint. I'm most likely to favor those people who are one with me, one in thinking, one in feeling, one in willing. In other words, those who are devoted to me are the ones that I'm most likely to award the property to. The Pandavas were restored their kingdom and they put up with a lot. They weren't as aggressive as Duryodhana. They were more passively seeing everything as the hand of God, not going down to Duryodhana's level, not allowing him to degrade them, taking the high road, putting up with everything, keep on being their best, keep on thanking God, keep on persevering. And eventually they overcame a much greater military force than themselves. They fell to the ground, Duryodhana and some of the greatest warriors of the day like 
Karna, Ashutama, Dronacharya, like Bhishma, they regained their kingdom with trouble, but not the kind of trouble that Duryodhana had gone to in order to rest it in the first place. When the Pandavas regained their kingdom, it's important to note that they weren't ashamed of having been handed the kingdom by Krishna. Krishna is said to be the rewarder of those who seek him. And when you keep God first place in your life and honor him, you don't have to chase after blessings. The blessings which come from God, and because God is pleased with your devotion, the blessings are going to chase after you. Prabhupada gave the example of a very famous scientist in Calcutta several generations ago. His name was Dr. Bose. He made groundbreaking discoveries in chemistry and physics, and he was quite a wealthy man. There were many people who tried to find out his secrets and then take credit for some of his discoveries. The only person that Dr. Bose really trusted was none of his colleagues. None of those who had the same credits or degrees or letters after their name as he did. His most trusted associate was his chauffeur, the man who drove him in his car. He didn't have a big degree, didn't have pretensions. He was 100% dedicated to Dr. Bose. Whatever Dr. Bose wanted, he would subordinate his own comfort and convenience. And on the way to and from the laboratories, Dr. Bose would use him as his sounding board with total confidence that there would be no leaks, there would be no backstabbing, no betrayals. He told that chauffeur everything, whether the chauffeur understood it or not, I don't know. But that chauffeur drove in the same car as the famous scientist. He lived in the same house as the famous scientist. He ate the same food as the famous scientist. And he was privy to the same level of knowledge as the famous scientist. By what virtue? By virtue, not his learning, not his scholarship, not his good looks, not his bank balance, but his devotion. Similarly, if you are devoted to God, who gives us everything, I predict that you're going to come into promotion, you're going to come into good breaks that you did not necessarily deserve. Why? Because favor is not fair. It's just the goodness of God rewarding you for walking in His ways. Think about it. Any father likes nothing better than to see their children prosper. The father would rather see the children prosper than the father prosper himself. We see this in the story of Sudama. Sudama had been a childhood friend of Krishna. They went to the same Gurukul in South India of Sandipani Muni. They parted after their studies were done. Sudama went back to Maharashtra. Krishna went back to Gujarat. And Sudama was a Brahmin by profession, but he lived in a kingdom ruled over by Pandraka. Pandraka was envious of Vishnu. He was envious of the unique position of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So he persecuted the Krishna devotee in his kingdom. He told everyone, don't hire this man for your housewarmings, for your baby showers, for your weddings. Everybody boycott him. Hire him at your risk. You see, and he was a very vicious, very mean king. The result of which is Sudama became penniless. His ribs started showing. His thatched roof had holes, which he was unable to repair. 
He didn't complain. He took it as the mercy of Krishna. He continued chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare. Eventually, his wife prevailed upon him. Sudama, why are you suffering in these ways? Krishna, who is the king of Dwarka, is your childhood friend. Why don't you go visit him? And then he can solve all your financial problems. And Sudama had no interest in using Krishna to solve his temporary problems. Krishna was his eternal friend. Krishna descended from the spiritual world to take us all back home, back to Gaida. Sudama's temporary problems were insignificant compared to the glory towards which he was headed. But he wanted to see his friend Krishna again. So not for his own sake, using the urgings of his wife, he went to Dwarka. When this poor Brahmin with holes in his cloth came to the door, the doorkeepers didn't want to let him in. But some or other word came to Krishna when he was inside the palace with the Rukmini. Krishna got off of his bedstead and personally came to the outer gates of the palace and took Sudama by the hand, brought him to the palace, sat Sudama down on his own bed and began to wash the feet of his childhood friend. And they had some conversations, and not, not once did Sudama ask Krishna to solve his problems. They discussed how it was in the ashram of Sandipani Muni, as is the custom. Students, even sons of kings and sons of millionaires, learn to do humble, menial tasks on behalf of the Guru. They learn the most important lesson of life, humility. And one time, when Sudama and Krishna were out gathering wood for the fire, there became a huge rainstorm. The whole area got dark and they couldn't find their way home. So these two boys, these two friends, spent their night out in the dark woods until such time as the search party came and found them in the morning. So they talked about this. Not once did Sudama ask Krishna for anything. When we chant, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram, Ram. We're not asking. It's a prayer, but it's not a prayer for things. It's not a prayer for stuff. It's a prayer for service. Lord, give me service. Just like that chauffeur of Dr. Bose. He didn't have to ask Bose for a place to sleep, a place to live, something to eat. He had it all. It was all part of the package of serving Dr. Bose. If you're in the middle of what God wants for your life, Everything is going to be provided. If you work for Microsoft or Intel or Google or Apple, you're not going to have to worry about the small stuff. They're going to take care of all of that. So what to speak if you work for the creator of millions and millions and millions of universes? There's nothing he wants better than to prosper his children. Nothing extraordinary happened while Sudama spent two or three days visiting with Krishna. He went back to his little village in Maharashtra and he turned the corner to his street, where his thatched hut had been before he saw this huge palace. He said, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong part of town. I'm in the wrong city. I might even be in the wrong state. Huge palace with servants and beautiful ladies and musicians and gardens in the back. As he was looking, he saw a lady up on the second floor veranda in a beautiful sari. With, she looked familiar. That looks like my wife. Turns out that Krishna had gifted Sudama. He didn't work for it. He didn't deserve it. He was unemployed. And yet Krishna blessed him with a residential facility greater and more opulent than that of Indra, king of the heavenly planets. Seemed a little unfair, didn't it? Just because Sudama 
was devoted to Krishna. He didn't want to use Krishna for satisfying his own desires. He was simply satisfied to endure, to put up with whatever reverses or troubles there were in life in order to show his faith to the Supreme Lord. If you would have walked into Sudama's village and saw him in the palace and his wife beautifully dressed, you would have said, well, what did he do to deserve that? That doesn't seem fair. Well, favor is not fair. You walked in at the second half of the movie. You walked in when the hero's smiling, he got the girl, the girl got the guy, they ride into the sunset. And you wonder, why do they get all the breaks? How come that never happens to me? You walk in at the second half of the movie. You miss the first half of the movie where they paid their dues. They did what it took in order to gain and please the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krishna had given Sudama opulence greater than that of Indra without his having particularly had to work for it, without his having had to chase it. Rather, it chased him down. And when that happens to you, and you can expect it, our advice is don't apologize for the goodness of God. Don't downplay what God has done in your life. Don't make excuses because a friend might get jealous. Don't try to hide God's blessings because a co-worker might judge you and think that it's unfair. It is unfair. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram. Here's the key. The moment you start apologizing for what Krishna, God has done in your life, downplaying his goodness, that's the moment when Krishna is going to look for someone else to show his favor to. I'm not saying to brag about who you are, where you are in life, and what you have. But I am saying to brag about how great God or Krishna is who he is. Natasya karanam karanam chavidite. God is defined as that personality than whom no one is greater or equal. Let me tell you how Krishna gave us this building in Spanish Fort Utah. Let me tell you how we opened another built from the ground up building just like this on four acres of land in Salt Lake City. Let me tell you about Krishna Radio, which has now been broadcasting for over 40 years in Utah Valley. Let me tell you about the biggest right now. They're having a huge festival. It's the 46th year of the annual Festival of Chariots on Venice Beach. For 46 years, they've been going down the second Sunday in August, having a parade with three huge chariots along the bicycle path from Santa Monica to the Venice Pavilion, at which point there's entertainment on three stages. There's a free feast for thousands of people. It is the second biggest spiritual festival in America after the Festival of Colors. Not in Los Angeles, not in Chicago, not in San Francisco, but in Spanish Fork, Utah. Let me tell you about the goodness of God. When you give Krishna the credit, you are wearing your blessings well. Every good thing that happens, it is the Lord's doing. Let me tell you about my wife being strong and powerful and vibrant. 25 years after having been diagnosed with terminal melanoma cancer and given one year to live. Let me tell you about how great our God is. Now, if you see the healing, the promotion, new opportunities as the Lord's doing, then you're not going to have any problem wearing your blessings well. 
Prabhupada, our spiritual master, he left us in 1977. At one time I was in the Los Angeles temple and he was talking from the Vyasasan. He was actually ticking off how many men we have, how many vans we have, how much we're paying in mortgage for buildings every month, how many books we publish. And someone might be thinking, well, isn't all that material? No, it's not material because it's all coming from Krishna. When you get a pure devotee, a lover of God, organizing and managing the resources of this world, it goes back to him. It makes a complete AC-DC circuit. Krishna showed us a path of bhakti, a path of devotion, that husbands, wives, parents, children, city dwellers, workers, housewives, everybody could follow practically and serve God. And his process was not to reject or look down our nose at God's temporary material creation as false, but to use everything in order to honor the Lord. The pad, the microphone, the stand, the podium, the bricks, the rebar, the stucco. Prabhupada built a house in which the whole world could live. I'm standing before you with a smile on my face, telling you that in Krishna consciousness since 1970, when I entered into the service of the Lord, I've had a great life. Before that, I had great parents. I have a great wife, Vaibhavi. I served in Australia, where we had great success. I served in Los Angeles, there was nothing but success. I served for several years in the San Francisco Temple in Berkeley. We had great success. We served in Spanish Fork. Nothing but success from glory to glory to glory to glory in the service of the most glorious Supreme Personality of Godhead. I didn't have to work too hard. At least I didn't have to work as hard as the commuters on the freeway coming and going. I've smiled a lot. I've said thank you many, many times. When we opened this building 21 years ago, June 23, 2001, about 5,000 friends and well-wishers came. I just went to everybody and said thank you. Thank you for the donation, or thank you for the service that you did, or thank you for just wishing us well. Thank you for not opposing us. Thank you for sending out good vibrations. I remember a story about Rudyard Kipling. He was one of the most well-paid authors during his lifetime. A lot of authors become famous posthumously. But Rudyard Kipling made a lot of money on his writing during his lifetime. And so one upstart reporter once came up to him, trying to provoke him. He said, uh, Mr. Kipling, I've done the math, and I figured that you made $50 for every word that you've written during your lifetime. And he pulled out a $100 bill, and very cagely, with the $100 bill kind of tucked back here, he said, can I offer you $100 for your two best words? Kipling's arm, just like a Hare Krishna devotee on book distribution, snaked out, faster than the eye could see, snatched the $100 bill out of the man, put it safely in his pocket coat, and he said, thank you. <laughs> I smile a lot. Everybody who walks through the door, we do our level best to make sure they feel welcome, that they're coming home. We try to treat them like they're long lost friends. Most people reciprocate with some offering. I say, thank you. Not too tough. This is the best building in Utah Valley. And it wasn't that difficult. Just smile, welcome people, make them feel at home. And when they reciprocate, say thank you. That's all it was. Now, some people play down their successes to those who aren't so blessed so that those people won't feel bad. I've learned 
that that doesn't bring honor to Krishna. That, oh, shucks, I'm nobody, hang dog, drawing circles in the dirt with your foot mode of behavior does nothing to bring honor to the person who blessed you. I smile all the time. I'm not hiding God's blessings. I'm reflecting God's blessings. I have a great life. I've got joy, peace, prosperity, victory. I'm not going to apologize for the goodness of God in my life. I'm going to say to anybody that's willing to sit and listen, it is his doing marvelous and joyful, wonderful to behold. I don't have to apologize. God gave me a handful of blessings, a handful of favor on purpose, and he didn't give that to someone else who's unwilling to honor him by chanting his holy names. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Far from hiding our joy, hiding our peace, hiding our victories, we don't have to dress down, look poor, pitiful, and depressed to show people how humble we are. We need to wear our blessings well. Some of us used to take drugs. Now we're clean and sober. Some of us used to be depressed, and now there's a spring in our steps. Some of us used to be angry, but now we're joyful, and there's a smile on our face. Go tell everyone what God has done for you. Share it. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. I should be dead, but I'm very much alive. Don't let some negative, jealous, judgmental, bitter, angry, non-smiling person make you feel guilty, ashamed, embarrassed. They'll try to tell you that you're supposed to drag around, depressed, defeated, to show God that you really are humble. No. Be proud of who you are and what Krishna's done in your life. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Break the mindset you have to be poor and broke and defeated to prove you're humble. All that proves is that you're poor, broke, and defeated. <laughs> if that's how you drag around, can I tell you, nobody's going to want what you have. We're supposed to be examples of what it means to live for the Almighty God. We should be so prosperous, so kind, so peaceful, so generous that people want what we have. Prabhupada says in the first canto 11th chapter of the Bhagavatam, there is no need to worship any deity but the Supreme Lord. He is all-powerful, and if he is satisfied by our obedience to his lotus feet, he is competent to bestow upon us all kinds of blessings for the successful execution of our material and spiritual lives. God is no poor man. Heaven will not bankrupt by prospering the devotee. Sometimes we think, well, if I get ahead, this person will lose out. Or if this person gets it, I'll lose out. No, God has enough resources to open the vaults of heaven and shower every one of his faithful servants with mind-boggling, super-sizing favors, influence, and power. His kingdom is described by Lord Brahma, the creator of this material universe. Chintamani pakkare sadmashu kalpa briksha lakshavitasu surabhi palyantam lakshmi saha sadbrahma sevyamanam govinamari purusham tamaham bijami. 
Listen to this verse and see if you don't start getting more of an abundance mentality. I worship Krishna, the primeval Lord. These are the words of Brahma, the creator of this universe. Now, Brahma got favor and blessings. He got a whole universe to create. He's giving his first person singular experience. What happened when he chanted Hare Krishna and honored the Lord? He said, I worship Krishna, the primeval Lord, the first progenitor who is tending the cows, not ordinary cows, sarabi cows, who yield all desire, whatever you want from these cows in the spiritual, you can get it, not just milk, but you can get whatever you want from these cows in abodes built with spiritual gems surrounded by millions of kalpavriksha desire trees. When we go down, remember as kids, we went downstairs on Christmas morning, and the Christmas tree was all decorated with bangles representing apples and pears and fruits. There were presents at the bottom of the tree. That comes, Christian tradition comes from this verse in the Sanskrit. It refers to the trees of the spiritual world from which you can get anything you want in order to serve the Lord. In this material world, specific trees can only give a specific fruit. Apple can only give apple. The Kalpa Brixit trees of the spiritual world can give not only any kind of fruit, they can give anything you want and need for the service of the Lord. This is abundance. You wanna put a smile on Krishna's face? Don't have in God's kingdom a scarcity mentality. Have as his legitimate sons and daughters a mentality of abundance. You could take all the money of the world and spend it for honoring God with temples, with festivals, with literatures, with food distribution, with engagement. When God has given his children the talents, favor, and resources, as well as connections to use everything in the world to honor him, what purpose in the world would it serve to go around skinny, with your head down all the time, a sour look on your face, turning up your nose at the wonders of Krishna's creation being all negative. You may prove that you're a spiritual person, but do you glorify God? Do you uplift your fellow human beings? Do you protect and steward the animals, your brothers and sisters? Prabhupada said, quote, one cannot enjoy material prosperity unless he works very hard to achieve it. The devotees of the Lord in the kingdom of God or even in this material world cannot be poverty stricken as it is sometimes supposed. As long as Krishna is first place in your life, you're not living selfishly, nor are you idolizing possessions. This is the key. Fifth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, 29th verse. Krishna says to Arjuna, a person in full consciousness of me, knowing me to be the ultimate beneficiary of all sacrifices and austerities, the supreme owner of all planets and demigods, and the benefactor of all living beings, such a person achieves peace from all the pangs of material miseries. And Prabhupada continues by saying, men should offer everything to the transcendental service of the Lord because he is the proprietor of the planets and demigods. No one is greater than him. Under the spell of illusion, living entities are trying to be lords of all they survey, but actually we ourselves are dominated 
by the material energy of the Lord. Krishna, or God, is a supreme predominator. All other living beings are his subordinates. One can attain peace only in complete Krishna, or God, consciousness. And finally, he says, Krishna consciousness brings one into spiritual life even while one is within the jurisdiction of matter, for it is an arousing of spiritual existence by practice in the material world. One who stands fast in Krishna consciousness remains factually in the transcendental stage called Brahma Nirvana. The materialists who are after opulence and material prosperity, not recognizing the sovereignty and proprietorship of God, may take lessons from the Ramayana that the policy of exploiting the nature of the Lord without acknowledging the Lord is the policy of Ravana. Ravana was almost like a kindred spirit of Duryodhana. Ravana lived millions of years ago. He fought, he craved, he coveted, he desired, he had ambitions, he conquered vast, vast chunks of, of territory. He built his city in what is present-day Lanka of gold. So again, nobody deserved that. Nobody worked harder for it. Nobody earned it more than Ravana. And yet Ravana didn't care for Ram. Ravana kidnapped Sita, Ram's energy, the wife of Ram, disregarding the proprietorship of Ram. In other words, Ravana falsely claimed the things of this world as belonging to him, failing to recognize being envious of the supreme proprietorship of Rama. And that is a policy of suicide. In the end, just like Duryodhana, Ravana lay on the dirt. All of his family members were killed. His kingdom was destroyed. He lost everything. Everything was handed to his brother Vibhishan. Vibhishan had done nothing to earn the kingdom. He didn't even care about the kingdom. But he did one thing. In the assembly of Ravana, where everybody was just a yes man. Yes, Ravana, yes him, yes, 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 yes. Vibhishan stood up. He said, Ravana, you should return Ram's wife Sita. Ram is an ocean of mercy. He will forgive you. But if you fail to return Sita, you will be destroyed, your kingdom will be destroyed, and all your elders will be destroyed. The only reason Ravana didn't kill him on the spot was because he was a brother. But he totally disowned him. He threw him out of the palace. He said, never come back again, never darken this threshold. You don't get a penny. Your name will not even be spoken in the city. He banished Vibhishan. Vibhishan went to where Ram and the monkeys were mustered for war, and he cooperated with Ram. That's all he did. Sides were meant to be chosen. He didn't choose his brother. He chose the Supreme Lord, Ram. Ravana was destroyed, and the kingdom was handed over to Vibhishan, who didn't even particularly care about the kingdom. He certainly hadn't chased after it, but having achieved the favor and the pleasure of Lord Ram, the kingdom was dropped in his own lap. A promotion doesn't come from people. It comes from the Lord. Let's take a grateful attitude. And if we don't, then God may just give that to someone else. We're coming up later this month, August, on the appearance day of Lord Krishna, Friday, August 19th. And we'll celebrate the day after the appearance day of Krishna, appearance day of Srila Prabhupada. He's the one who brought the practical communal path of bhakti or devotion to the Western countries 67 years ago. Prabhupada could have stayed in India. He was elderly. He was retired from his business. He had a nice accommodation 
in the holiest place of pilgrimage in all of India, Vrindavan. He was one of the most respected residents of Vrindavan. His salvation was assured. He did not have to take the trouble to come to the West, but he did the right thing when it was hard. He crossed the ocean in 1965 with $7 to his name in order to put meaning back into the lives of millions and millions of people devoid of God consciousness. To honor him later this month, we ask all the devotees, the tremendous worldwide community that he established with 800 centers all over the world to honor Prabhupada by enjoying the music, enjoying the chanting, enjoying the deities, enjoying the cows, enjoying the farms, and enjoying the other devotees, all sons and daughters and grandchildren of Srila Prabhupada. I joined in Australia. I spent the first five years in Australia helping things to get started. In 2012, the Australian devotees bought me a ticket to go back there for the 40th reunion of the installation of the Sydney deities. And I had not seen many of these devotees for 40 years. We had given our lives. We gave up everything in order to establish the mission of Srila Prabhupada. I had not seen them for 40 years. In every case, it was just like I was seeing my long lost brother. I had such a strong connection with those devotees. We celebrated. We were not ashamed. Korma rented the best cruise ship. It cost $3,000 for the day to sail the Sydney Harbor for an entire afternoon. There was amazing gourmet vegan vegetarian prasadam. Prahlad, one of the best kirtan singers in the world. He was just here recently for Asada Sangharapur. He was on the prow of the ship. There was this panoramic window. You saw the Sydney Opera House. He had his band with guitars, with flutes, with violins, and he was chanting Hare Krishna. We celebrated the blessings that Krishna had given to us through Srila Prabhupada. When you see me standing here this evening, happy, healthy, prosperous, I'm not gonna make any apologies to you. It's the goodness of God passed through Prabhupada to the generations of his faithful disciples. I'm not gonna downplay it, I'm not gonna make excuses. I know that Krishna God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children. It's not how great I am, not how great you are. Turn it around, put the spotlight on how great is God. Look what the Lord has done in my life. If you wear your blessings well, being quick to always give Krishna God the credit, there's no limit to where he can take you. He will make you an example of what it means to be blessed, favored, prosperous, give you a generous and abundant life this time around, and next time you'll go back to home, back to God. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare.